Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here's this week's message. And we're going to continue in the Hebrew series, and we're going to go Hebrews 4 and... The good thing is, I've only got two verses, amen? But the two verses that they've given me is probably the longest sermon on Hebrews you're going to ever hear, amen? <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. Two verses, longest sermon, six verses, short sermon. No, it's about what God would say to us. Let's read it. Let's start by reading the word. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is a sharper, th sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, being join between joint and manner, marrow. It exports our intimate thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are all accountable. We're all accountable to God. Amen. We're accountable to this word. Amen. This is our handbook. Let's start by looking at the two key words in 12. The words are the word and the two-edged sword. The word. There are several scriptures which state that Jesus is the word of God. So let's, we're just going to quickly look at them. John 1, 1 to 5. The word was God and the word, sorry, the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 14. The word became human and made, he, and made his home amongst us and we have seen his glory. First letter of John 1, 1, he is the word of life. Revelations 19, 13, he, he wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was word of God. So the word of God is living and is working today because Jesus is the word. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's worked and it's dead. This book hasn't got an expiry date, amen? And it's amazing how we listen to sermons and it speaks directly into our situation. Every time it will speak, it's living, but it never changes, amen? It's trusted. We can trust the Bible and it's the word of God. In English, the word or the Bible, we only have one word and we call it the word of the Lord. But in the New Testament, there are two words in the Greek. One is, one is logos and one is rhema. Jesus is both logos and rhema. The word in the, in the Hebrews we are looking at is, it's used in the sense of logos. So that is what we're going to be concentrating on today, the word logos. When Logos is used, it is referring to God's written word we find on the pages of the Bible. Amen? 
This is Logos, the written word. Jesus told us that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So everything which is in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled. And also, he has us to say, this is your guidelines. This is how we need to live. This is our standard. This is what we want you to strive towards. You have a problem? Where do you look? The word. The Logos. And in my Bible, it has, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling this, look to the Bible. And that is my first, well, the first thing I'd recommend is that you do look to the Bible for all your needs. It never changes. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scriptures is inspired by God and to be useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us how to do it right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do even better good works. Amen? Amen. This is for reproval, right? Now, I was in an organization, and when you when you in the church, and there was rules and regulations. And then in this church, we promised not to smoke, and we promised not to drink. Half the people that signed that pledge, when they left that organization, what was the first thing they did? They drank, and they smoked. Why? Because they did it because it was a rule. Right? They did it because of the rule. Other people did it because it was a commitment to God. So when they stopped in that organization, they, they continued to do it. We have got to obey the word because of our love for Jesus. We've got to obey the word because it's good for us. You know, it says, it says on, a, on, a, on a hot stove, do not touch. Is that right? And what do some of us do? Let's just see how hot it is. Right? The Bible, the Word is designed for us to support us, to be a crutch. It's designed, the Word of God is designed for that. Now, I've got teach us to do right. A car handbook, amen? When gentlemen, when men get a new car, what is the first thing they read for hours and hours and hours? The car handbook. Amen? They've got a brand new car, and they'll sit, and they will read the handbook. Ooh, what does this car do? Ooh, what happens if I press that button? Ooh, what happens if I press this button? Ooh, right? I know Rory does. <laughs> but, you know, when we get a new car, we study the handbook. When we became Christians... We should be as passionate about our car as our word, amen? Because as in the car, there's things it does in the car which makes life easier, but we didn't know. We can put every time, I'm moving the seat forward. See, Janice is not very tall. There's nothing wrong with not being very tall. But if you get in a car after somebody who's not very tall, it's terrible. I'm like this. So what I do is I manually pull it back. But one day... I read the manual, and it says there is memory seats, right? So instead of me pulling it all the way back, checking it, it's memory seats. So all you do is press one, 
Norman, press two. Janice, zhu, zhu, zhu. Makes life easier. Is that right? It's the same with the word as Christians, right? I'm getting rid of my notes, so I'm getting too tied up. As Christians, we need to have two settings, don't we? We need that setting. We need to say, right, I know the word good enough, and, we need, and there's another one, right? The word of God, as it says in the beginning here, the telephone, amen? We've all got telephones, is that right? You all got them? Do we use them to their full potential? No, exactly. Now, I know some people, you're going to laugh at this. All they do is receive calls on it. That's all they do. That's all they do. They just receive calls. Wow. Well, that's all right. But it does a lot more, doesn't it? It texts. How many people go on FaceTime or Instagram? How many hours do you spend on there? Right? It does a lot more, but we don't use it to our full potential. Right? It does a lot, lot more. We have techies here, right? And they know that we don't use the full potential. Is that right? We use about 40%, 30% less. He says, the techie says 30%. We use 30% of the potential of this. God wants us to use not 30% of our potential if you're not studying the word, if it's not logos, if you're not studying the word, you could be operating on 10% and wonder why you're not reaching your full potential. Amen? You know, it's not enough to come on a Friday and hear, listen to the sermon. You won't reach your full potential. Now, I'm not going to say how much time you need to spend in between because that's between you and God. But you need to spend time in between. And what I do like is, I wish the Bible had a thing which has got on my phone. My phone says, this week, you have spent so many hours on the telephone. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I think, is it a week or a month? I can't remember. I'm trying to find it. Let's have a look. So it says here, I've spent 57 minutes reading and on reference. Amen? I've got a Bible on here, right? Do you see what I'm getting at? That's what the Lord is saying to us, right? If we want to live a fulfilled life, and this one, we've heard some very strong messages from Hebrews, haven't we? We've had some made us sit up in our seats. But this is a message today. These two verses are encouragement. By the beginning, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Amen. And if you learn nothing else, just hold on to that. Two-edged sword. Amen. That's the word, powerful. Two-edged sword. We have one or two military people in here. And in those days, the Romans, the people of this time would be very familiar with a two-edged sword. It is one of the lethal weapons used by the Romans, right? Two-edged sword. When I was in the military, I had a sword. It was a one-edged sword. It was a dress sword. If I hit it with that, it would break, right? If you watch Forged in the Fire, now none of you watch Forged in the Fire because you're all working. It's an American program where they're making knives, okay? 
and they take a bit of metal and they forge it and they put it. And then there's five or six of them stand there and the examiner takes the knife and he says, let's see how strong it is. Whap, crack, poof. The slightest flaw in the knife means that it will just disintegrate. It won't do the job. But praise the Lord, I like this. In my version, it says, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Amen. So there is nothing that the word of God, the two-edged swords, can't destroy or restore. Amen. It's so strong. Let's look at that. There are also other scriptures in the New Testament which refer to the two-edged sword. Revelation 1, 16. He, brackets Jesus, held seven stars in his hand and the sharp two-edged sword came out of the mouth. Revelation 2, 12. In a letter to one of the churches, he said, this message comes from the one with the two-edged sword. All these scriptures are referring to Jesus, right? On that sword, it has two edges for a reason. And let's go further on. Let's read the scripture, Hebrews again, 4, 12 to 13. It is a sword which cuts between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our intimate thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we are all accountable for. We are all accountable to God. We're not accountable to anyone else but to God. For believers, this is not a negative thing. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says that the Lord corrects and discipline everyone who loves him. Amen? So the sword, when it comes into our lives and it, 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 it opens something up, what does it do? It restores us. So it cuts out. It cuts out the evil. It cuts out the bad desires. It's sharp. We need the word of God to expose things on our lives which need to be dealt with. Things that we, which, which aren't dealt with or exhaust or we didn't know. What needs to be dealt with in your life? What needs to be dealt with in your life? What have you been challenged today needs to be dealt with in your life? Nothing? Come and, come and preach next week, Amen. I've got too many things. And you know something? I admitted a weakness once, and it came across as a sign of weakness. I'm sorry. In the church, you admit weakness. It's a sign of strength. Amen? Amen. Because when you know where you're weak, you can become strong. It's not a sign of weakness. In the world, it's a sign of strength. Oh, I'm not going to sell the superintendent that. I can't do that. I, I might get my contract renewed. No. It's a sign of strength being honest, being open. Each one of us has an area. We've heard, over the, we've heard a few weeks about the dangers of hardening our heart. This, the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are the only tools 
which can stop us hardening our hearts. That's the only way. I need the double-edged sword. When we are born again, it is our spirit which is born again. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions are not. They need to be restored. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's said in the beginning of this scripture. It says here, when I find it, it says, it is sharper than the, the sharpest two-edged swords, cutting between the soul and the spirit, separating the soul from the spirit. The soul is our old emotions. When we were born again, or give a horse to Jesus, whatever you call it, a seed, spermata, was sown in your heart. Right? Your mind, your soul, your will, your emotions were the same, but the seed was growing. And too many of us, that's the seed, that's our mind, our will, our emotions. Right? And the Lord wants our seed to grow. He doesn't want it stifled by your mind, your will, your emotions. Oh, but I think this or this. And this church is like this. It's this. No. There's the seed he wants us to grow. And eventually, he'll just lift those barriers. And we'll be allowed to reach our full potential. I want you. Listen, my heart's very simple. I want you to reach your full potential. And when you're not reaching your full potential, you are frustrated. You'll sit in the church and you'll say, and you know who that is? That's because you need to reach your full potential. What is your goal? What is your vision? Where are you going? Why are you sitting there? Why are you sitting there? God's called you, yes. Let's go to the next stage. Look to the word. Find it. Psalm 23, 3. He restores our soul. Amen. Oof. I want my soul to be restored. I want to get rid of all the trash. I want to get rid of all the, the things I used to do. I want to get rid of them, and I want to replace them with other things. I want to replace in my soul healthy things. I'm sick. I was very good in the world. I don't know about you, right? I could lie for England, amen? You know, the devil didn't teach me to lie. I did it naturally, amen? But I needed to deal with that. I needed to get rid of that. I needed to get rid of pride. I needed to get rid of, well, I'm the pastor or I'm the best musician in the world. I needed to die to that. I had to die to myself. It is not automatic. We have to allow it. And if some of you are not growing, it's not the devil, it's you. You're not allowing the, you're not allowing the Lord. You're saying, okay, I'm going to heaven, I'm happy, I'm just going to stay here. Amen, hallelujah. It says here, he wants to restore your soul. If we know what the mind of Jesus is as a church, we will go forward. We need to know the mind of Jesus. And the mind of Jesus is, he wants to see you reach your full potential. He wants to see you grow. 1 Peter 1, 5 to 6, is just one of the many scriptures which tells us that God expects us to live 
holy lives. But as for the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. Amen? Amen. We need to live a holy life in our lives, in our churches, in our work. We need to be holy lives. We are ambassadors of God. So when we're at work, we are ambassadors. They don't see Norman. They see Jesus. Are we good ambassadors? See this sword when it comes? Woof! Now, it's a lot more gentler against the Christians. When the other side comes against God's enemies, it has no mercy. Has no mercy. And if you think about it, I forgot to mention it, that my sword, I used to go this way, and if I wanted to cut again, I would have to withdraw it and cut it again. Samurai swords have one end, which is razor sharp. Boom, we've got to take it all the way back, and then again. A double-edged sword is just boom, boom. Both actions. Carve you up just like that. And that's what God does to our enemies. It looks like they get away with it, but no, they don't. The double-edged sword cuts away anything in our lives which is unproductive. What is unproductive in your life? What is not bearing fruit? Put another way. The Holy Spirit relieves, reveals areas of our life which need to be cut away. If we do not cut these things away, they will affect our spiritual growth. If we don't deal with these areas, it will affect our spiritual growth. And if untreated, can lead to a hardened heart. Hmm? Is the areas in your life which you need treated? Is the areas? Now, some of you will say, well, that really didn't touch. I've learned one thing. Some of you are going to say, well, that didn't really touch the essence of the message. When it comes to double-edged sword, when it comes to these message, they're personal, they're to you. And there's so many different angles. I love the way when you open the Bible and I'll say to Janice, oh, this means this to me. And she'll say, doesn't mean that to me. We've all got different, depending on your denomination, depending on your background. You've all got different thoughts. But the word of God this will be speaking to, even if it's just one person, God will honor that. Amen? Because it's the word of God. The double-edged sword cuts away anything in our lives which is unproductive. Put, put another way, the spirit is really revealing areas of our life which need to be cut away. If we do not cut these away, they will affect our spiritual growth. And if untreated, can lead to hardening of the heart. What needs to be treated in your life? What needs to be cut away with the sword? You see, it says, even down to the bone and to the marrow. Do you know what that means? There's no flesh left. It's totally cleaned. Right? Because if the sword is so sharp, it gets rid of everything. 
I once heard a story about a man who sold his house. And he said to them, I will sell you that house, but I want in the attic, in the loft, I want to put one nail. And I want to put on that nail anything I like. Right? So the guy says, yeah, fine. I, I, can, I can agree to that one nail. I'm getting a house at a good price. Right? So he then, one day, took a bag. And he hung it on the nail. First day went. Week went. No problem. They'd been in a year. And the wife says, Can you smell that? Yeah, come, what is it? So he says, so they got the air freshener and they sprayed it all. 18 months later, it's getting worse and worse. They checked the drains. It's not the drains. It's not the septic tank. What is it? And after three years, they said, this is so bad, we're going to have to leave. And the woman said, ah, remember that nail? So they went in the loft, and what was in there? Smelling fish. They couldn't get rid of it, because they'd made an agreement. They'd made an agreement that he could hang it there. And what the Lord is saying to us, what are you needing to rinse out of your life? Because it might seem small now. Everything starts small, but it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. I know there's things now I don't do. Six months ago, I would quite happily have done. There's things on the television I would have watched Six months ago, now the Lord's convicted me, that's not right, and I don't watch them. What, what's in your life? What's in your life? Which is smelling. Hmm? Which the sword needs to come out and deal with. Because I'm sorry, if you don't deal with it, if you ignore it, they lost the house. Because legally, they couldn't take it off. They lost the house, they had to leave. Because legally, they couldn't take it down. But God is saying, the devil has got no strongholds in your life. Amen? And that if we stand on his word, we will be victorious. Yes, we'll have trials, we'll have tribulations. And that's why we need the church. We need each other. But you know what we need? We don't need words. We need actions and we need, we need love. We need true love. It only comes when we accept that we are sinners and that we need, we need Jesus. So I want us to go now into a time of prayer where I want you to examine your heart and say, Lord, I watch a, a program called, you might think all I do is watch television, I don't. <laughs> I don't watch Forge, I don't like Forge, uh, the Forge in the Fire. But I watch a thing called Curse on Oak Island. Amen? Have you heard of it? Not heard of it. Curse on Oak Island. 
And these people are passionate. The word curse means there's been seven people died. But they're so passionate about finding the treasure, right, that even when they, they dug a hole 120, 130 feet down, and they took one of these big grabbers and they got a load of cement up and they got a load of clay came up and they opened it and he found the smallest bit, the smallest bit of paper and they all rejoiced, hallelujah. I want you to go away with a nugget this morning. I want you to go away with a bit of treasure, something you can hold on to. Those people on that program are, are passionate about, oh, they believe, they believe, they believe that this treasure there, with all the heart, they've spent millions of pounds looking for treasure. My prayer to you today is, please get enthusiastic about the word. Look there first. Don't go and look to other churches. Don't go and look to, to yoga, or yogurt, I call it. Don't look anywhere else. Don't go to these you know, Mr. Keelers or anything like that. Look to the Lord. Jesus is the answer for the world today. So Lord Jesus, now we just ask you to, to bless us. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to help us take a little nugget, help us to seek something from this message which has spoken to us. Lord, we need you more than ever in this world today. We need those golden nuggets just to hold on to, just to give us strength, just to give us peace. Help us not to have a critical spirit, Lord. Lord, that's the world. Just be with us now as we continue to praise your name. Amen and amen.